You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking to the Freemans, the authors of The Argument Hangover, and they are also the 2-3 Glow. Before we get going with learning from the Freemans and seeing their great courses and books and all they have to offer, I want to remind you one last time about our Enneagram and Marriage course that's coming up because I am closing the doors this Thursday, the 13th, so I can finish getting everybody their last bonus items before the course begins. So if you want to sign up for it, make sure you sign up by 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday this week, the 13th, if you're listening to this, the week of May the 13th, 2021. And I'm really excited for those who have already joined, and I hope you'll join us too. We're very excited to have you. You can use the code FRIEND for $50 off, and you still get all the bonuses of the entire Glow Library, my relationship book series, and also, of course, the 12-week course where I'm teaching you guys all about Enneagram and marriage and how to work with couples. So, We also finished up our school year. I am so excited. We have one dual enrollment test left and it was a really big last week where we, I took my literature pod, the ones who are local out to an escape room and it was a lot of fun. And I gave them a Jane Austen anthology as well as somebody who had listened actually recommended the devotional, the Heinz feet on high places. And I gave that to every one of the girls as a life gift. And I had really to let them go. Everybody's moving in different directions since COVID has just grown us all so much and so differently. And it was just a reminder to me that I'd been teaching these girls, all of them for about six years already. And I'm like, you need other people to teach you literature. Like I I want to keep teaching you, but really good thing is to have a lot of different teachers in your life. So it felt like the right time. We we finished on A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. We talked about what each of our favorite books were. I gave them these anthologies of some of the favorite books and did our kitchen chemistry and, and so many things so that we can make room for what's coming this summer. And for me, that's my course. And for the kids, that's camps and rest. So I'm excited for all of us because we all get to transition and finish well and finish strong. And I hope if you're finishing out your school year or you have family graduating that it's going really well for you guys. Other than that, a quick announcement I want to make is I'm still so grateful for the work Michael Shahan did with our glow guides. And I hope you'll continue to keep him and his family in your thoughts and prayers. I will keep up his PayPal link if you have any desire to support him or his email just to write him an Angie as they go through another round of surgery with their young family for Angie's breast cancer care. So thinking of them this Mother's Day and what an amazing hero she is as it's May Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I also want to say I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. My family was very good to me and Wes really got me kind of cornered telling stories about all the women in my family. And I like to do that in my own private ways, but it was really kind of a challenge because he's like, let's talk about our moms. Let's talk about our grandmoms. Let's talk about their moms and all the different ways that they loved us. And he's so good with sharing about that. He has a website called LegacyHelper.com and a free ebook there, in fact, which I share with clients sometimes because he's so gifted with going back to Legacy and making videos. But I was, you know, (laughs) disappearing a little bit. And he's like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm in the garage. I'm looking up some stuff from my dad. Like I wanted to do some of my own digging. (laughs) And he's like, can you tell us something good about your grandma? And I'm like, okay. So it was really good for me to do that. It's like, I'll do that with all of you. But sometimes that's the funny part is, 
because with my own family, I'm a little bit shy. So he's been really good about helping me to appreciate and to sit with emotion. And that is a very personal work I'm trying to do with you guys because something we've been doing on this show as an overarching goal, of course, is growing together, is saying, where am I weak? Where am I strong? Where am I about average? So continue your self-care. You know, I'm always going to be doing my pop sugar workouts. My nine and I are always doing them. My four loves to watch us fascinated. She loves to watch people work out. I don't know if any of you fours are out there like that. Truth be told, I think what's happening is my four is comparing the dance instructors because she actually already does work out a few hours a day on her on days with dance. And she's very much been in dance for about 10 years. So She's probably just comparing and that's why she does that. But it made her sound a little weird and I want to clarify. It's probably more of the four thing of like, oh, this is how they do it. And she comments, but she just snacks while we're doing our workouts. Um, and then my son joins us sometimes, but but that's been really an ongoing natural fit for us. But we don't overwork out. We, we've learned that we don't have enough time in our day to go crazy on workouts in the season, and we don't want to invest in it to the levels that maybe I used to in the early years. But that's also because I'm learning to invest more socially with actual people, not just online, not just in courses, but to give a little bit more instead of being the one to donate the cookies, I'm going in and did the costume team. And and that's been fun and a little different, but it's the world we live in, right? That we have to engage socially and it's good for us to balance. And I have found it to be really fun as long as I don't over schedule. So as you're learning to balance yourself, preserving your one-to-one and your social time, just make sure you keep on growing just baby steps because sometimes you are going to get hurt in one of those areas and you're going to need to come back around, but don't leave it. Just come back around and, and we'll get there together. So thanks for sharing your stories with me. I love hearing in the DMs and in the emails about things that are touching you and what you want to see more of. And now we're going to talk again about the 2-3 glow so that we can truly just learn more about how these two heart types in a relationship work. And not only that, as I said, the Freemans have absolutely been all over, reached almost a million people. They've been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post, Women's Health, and so on and so forth. I just love hearing about how these guys have really allowed their outreach and their gifts to hit the masses. So I hope we get so blessed by them today. I know I sure was. And please let me know. And you can visit them on their website also at meetthefreemans.com. And they have an awesome partner communication personality type quiz. It's fun to take their quiz because it's really a good kind of gauge to say, where am I in my Enneagram work? And chances are you're going to still be showing up in the same ways your Enneagram type really shows that you do. So it's good confirmation, especially if you were able to listen to the episode with Enneagram Explained. And I wanted to put these episodes near to each other so you could get a sense for your conflict style in a couple of different settings and formats, one Enneagram and one not Enneagram. It's really good and healthy for us always to remember Enneagram is one great tool out there, but there's a bunch of great tools out there. So we never want to get caught up in just one. And we do want to know what's working. And and clearly the Freeman's working with so many thousands of people. It's working. So cool. Hey, Erin and Jocelyn. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having us. We're oh, very excited. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You guys just made me smile in the midst of a busy day of sessions. They have the most adorable matching glasses. <laughs> they, they're not <laughs> exactly matching, right? But they're super cute. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah, it, it blocks the blue light from the computer. So really, it's out of necessity. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I love it because I know what a styled couple you guys are. And I love seeing your pictures everywhere in your new book. So I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much for coming. Of course. Thanks for having us. Sure. Where are you guys from? Tell our audience a little bit about yourselves. Well, the short of it. So we're, I'm born and raised Arizona, Aaron, Ohio. We met in Arizona mm-hmm. and I know that you're going to ask about our breakup almost story. So we'll yes. save that for a moment from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're currently in Charlotte and headed back to Arizona. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you guys love your Phoenix area. What area are you going back to? Like the Phoenix South Scottsdale mm-hmm. area. Oh, we love that area. We have some good friends there and I can absolutely see why you're drawn back. Is it just home for you? It is home and just missing our friends and some family. Oh, I'm so happy about that. You guys good. I'm glad. So you guys met a long time ago and you have a very interesting story. I love how you foreshadowed that for our audience. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, well, we met in a gym, which was like the dream location. I had done a lot of self-development and work on myself before meeting Aaron. So I was very clear on what I wanted and what I was willing to kind of like accept in a way, because before that, what I quote unquote tolerated in relationships was not always healthy. And so I really like raised my standards for myself, my confidence, and I was ready to attract an incredible, healthy partnership and someone who was open to growth as well. So I meet Aaron and he wasn't really in that position quite yet. I know. I was just going to say, <laughs> but you got me. And I know that would be something that some men would say as like a funny joke, but it's like, you did meet that version of me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we realized, and I think it was powerful for this overall conversation, Jocelyn was really honestly saying yes to who I was becoming, not necessarily the person I was in that moment. And that's what we think relationships are about. It's, it's about evolving together and about co-creating together. And, you know, we were a match for each other in that moment, but I think it was more so because I had a lot of fears. Relationships for me, I only mm-hmm. had a very few number but I was always on the receiving end of being broken up with. I had been cheated on before and I actually felt I would never get married at all, let alone because of my upbringing, I felt I shouldn't have sex before I get married. So Mm -hmm. now I'm like thinking to myself, well, if I'm never getting married probably never having sex too. So Mm -hmm. it was a very, very vulnerable place for me to be in. And then a few months in those fears came up. I called Jocelyn on the phone and said, Hey, I think um, we should just be friends. We hung up and she called me back in 15 seconds. I remember where I was seated. I remember looking at my phone and seeing her name and I said, hello. And she said, that doesn't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll share from my perspective. So my old self would have kind of played a game and kind of thrown a pity party and been like, fine. Like if he wanted me, he chased after me Yeah, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to fight for him and then kind of be sad and depressed for a while. And I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. Again, I had been really working on myself and like healthy assertiveness. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to even like 
if it was vulnerable and I was putting my heart on the line, I wanted to speak my truth because I knew it was his fear talking. I knew mm-hmm. it wasn't that we weren't actually aligned for each other. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was willing to put my heart on the line mm-hmm. and, and potentially have it broken, but it yeah. ended up, ended up working. Cause he was like, <laughs> okay, I'm back in. <laughs> that is super raw, honest and vulnerable. And I love that. And I just want to clarify for our audience. You're the two in the relationship and Aaron, you're the three. Is that how it works? Uh, the other way around. I'm the oh, two. Okay. You're the two and she's the three. Okay. Thank you for helping me to understand that. So we have somebody who's saying as a three assertive aggressive stance, this is my need and I will put it out there and I'm willing to risk even greater rejection now if you don't want me, but I truly believe that we're a fit. And it sounds like you, Aaron, just felt like I just, it's just not in the cards for me. But when she said that, did it instill hope in you? Yes, absolutely. It, it, it's so interesting for me to reflect because it really does go beyond the conscious thought of it to mm-hmm. the real base type that I am. You know, mm-hmm. what I was speaking from was a past fear of this goes further from here. It's likely I'll be the one to get hurt. And I mm-hmm. think for a helper, right, it's like, I want to help, but if I put myself too far out there in this romantic relationship, I'm going to be the one that gets, that gets hurt even more. So for her to say that doesn't work for me, it really hit me like on a genetic level, or you could say a subconscious where it was the affirmation of, I don't have to be afraid. She's supporting me. She's going to be there for me. And I don't have to be scared of being hurt again. And I'm like, that's all I really need to hear. And I didn't even know that until she said it. Oh my goodness. That does go all the way to the deepest levels. That's amazing. And it just, it's two heart types together. So for our listeners, double heart types in a relationship coming together, feeling safe is so important because heart types get taken advantage of a lot. And this is Aaron's experience is I'm, if I can't be the helper, who am I? So maybe I can't risk vulnerability because my identity is found here. And now all of a sudden you have somebody who doesn't need that from you, who says, I already know who I am to, I'm not sure if that's the right word. Did you already know who you were Jocelyn at that point? Or were you still unsure of who you were? Cause we're all young in these years. Right. Mm. Yeah. I actually like in the middle of determining it, but it's interesting you say that because this, uh, you know, achiever type before I even knew my Enneagram type, there was like a part of me that almost shamed and suppressed my achieverness. Mm-hmm. And actually in past relationships, it was kind of threatening to them in a way like my, my partner before Aaron always kind of had a power struggle with the fact that like I had goals I was pursuing. Mm, and, and so anyway, I was in the middle of really discovering like my purpose myself and then meeting mm-hmm. Aaron we really helped each other clarify our purpose. Hence why we do what we do now with couples and we're in business together. We, I think it was us coming together that helped each other discover those purposes. Hmm. I'm really glad because I, I just wanted our listeners to hear how raw and vulnerable you were for a couple of reasons. One, so they could do the same instead of how we wear so many masks and saying like, I had it all together or I knew myself or yes, I'm the chameleon three, but 
no, I never struggled with identity. Um, just to hear somebody as successful as you guys saying, yeah, we did. And we needed one another to, to in part heal each other's trauma um, or just life experiences and continue to develop us. But on the other hand, it's also part of the story that, yeah, I was sort of looking for them to finish me and do the work with me alongside of me. And that goes back to what Aaron said earlier is that's part of our story. And you guys got me thinking that's not a way we often think about marriage. We think find somebody who's great. And you guys said, it's almost like you want to find somebody with great potential. Is that how you feel? Well, so it's interesting because there, there is an important point about not, you know, people say don't date for potential date for who they are, because that can also be dangerous because then you're not really facing who they are the moment. And they're like, oh, they're going to change. They're going to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You still like, I still loved and, and really embraced who Aaron was at the time. Mm-hmm. The key thing was he was open to growth yeah. and that value of being open to growth. Okay. You know what? We're not going to be these same people for the rest mm-hmm. of our lives. And the fact that he was open to ongoingly looking at like some of our patterns and some of our defaults and, you know, transforming those, that to me was the potential I was looking for. Cause I had certainly been with partners who were not open to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. And then you also said even partners in the past who you were trying to grow and say, maybe this is who I am as a three. I don't want to be somebody else. And sometimes people don't like that. And they put us back into those boxes. And it sounds like not only was Aaron having that growth mindset, but he was also encouraging yours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and participating, not only encouraging, but participating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting thinking about the dynamic and I was reading your workbook that you provide for our, our combination. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about how I, because I didn't have the awareness of the time of my Enneagram in the beginning of our entrepreneurial journey and pursuing some of our goals together, I did kind of expect him to be like my type and get frustrated that he wasn't doing it like my type. So it was really helpful when we did discover that our differences were a good thing. Hmm, that's really neat. And Aaron, maybe you can tell us how you thought that the two of you were different at the beginning, or um, maybe as you think back, like, yeah, I know she thought I was going to be just like her, but here's how I was different. Hmm. In the beginning, I think, well, what's interesting is when you know the type, knowing the type is a game changer with the Enneagram Um, I'm sure you're going to talk about it, but in our new book, we came up with our four communication personality types, but it's a similar thing because at some point in relationship, we try to get some aspect of our partner to be like us Mm -hmm. and so many aspects for Enneagram, but what we came up with is communication. You know, we think, well, why aren't you staying in this conversation? Why are you withdrawing? You should want to get this completely as fast as I do. What are you feeling and telling me why are you looking at the window? Right? So there's all these things in communication. So it changed for me over time. Like in the beginning as a helper, I would say the achiever is super attractive mm-hmm. because like, wow, you're, you're empowered. You're a go-getter. You're going after things. I think it's awesome to be a part of you. You come up with like good ideas. Mm-hmm. You just take action. And so for a helper, I think that energy is really fun to kind of hit your wagon to, you know? Yeah. So it's not, it's not really till you're in the relationship 
And, you know, your life is really intertwined that I think I ran into some of the unbalanced side or the out of balance, which would be, as Jocelyn was stating, she would want me to be taking as much action Mm -hmm. and to be initiating and to be at the speed that she's at. Yes. And as a helper, I might not be as focused on achieving. I'm just wanting to be open and contribute and let life come to me, which I think for an achiever feels like kind of like you're being lazy or you're being passive. And since I'm not achieving, then I'm not as valuable when I'm, I want to sit back here and be like, I want life to come to me, Mm -hmm. have it feel natural and flow. And I'm going to help everybody. That is so well said, you guys, I have just understood a different level that I didn't understand before about the two, three dynamic. And I think all of our listeners are with me and saying, we can tell, and we understand how a three is the aggressive, um, along with sevens and eights. I'm in that group too, that we want to name what we want and we want to put it out there and we want to achieve and all these things. But for us to get to hear how you as a two respond to that, to be able to hear you say, I'm different. And she, she didn't necessarily like that about me. And, and yet I'm sure you both have grown since then. And that's where your Enneagram glow does come in is you really do rub off on each other. And some of what we have, it adds to the mix. And now, now all of a sudden you're sparked by her, like you said, and you like achieving even more, but I'm sure also that there's parts of you that you're like, no, I actually like this about me. And I do like how I want relationships and I want to let things come to me sometimes. Did, did either of you feel like that's been part of the story is a bit of shifting and also a bit of saying, no, this is who I am. Absolutely. And everything that we say to couples is about awareness. And so by understanding our differences, our similarities, we now can embrace them and actually leverage them more. So Mm -hmm. even correlating it to the tool, we really have mastery over with the four communication personality types. Mm -hmm. We always like to say that in relationships, communication is not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And if you continue to fight for your partner to communicate exactly <laughs> like you will, it'll constantly feel like a battle. And mm. so with the Enneagram, with the four communication personality types, when you're in a relationship, it's all about awareness of yourself mm-hmm. and the other and really mm-hmm. embracing those differences mm-hmm. as a good thing. It's actually what makes you a better team, mm. but you also yeah. have to be aware of not only your strengths, but this is where a lot of our work has been what some of our default patterns are that aren't really that effective, right? That don't Mm. give us the relationship that we want. Mm. I loved that. I loved that piece in your book where you talk about conflict is a good thing, believe it or not, but there are pieces that have to be pulled out that really aren't healthy for us to keep going on. And one of those pieces I loved was that you said there are certain phrases or words that trigger you. And I don't want to give away too much of your book, but can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So with the triggers, right. So in our book, the argument hangover, we address a lot of like the before, during and after conflict, Mm -hmm. and we have a whole section on emotional triggers. And so what you're referring to, right. Is in relationship, even if you love each other tremendously, Mm -hmm. you have a great time. There are likely going to be things that your partner says or does that triggers you, which a trigger, if that's new for anyone is like your partner poking a sensitive spot. 
it kind of elicits an emotion inside of you. And it seems like the threat is what they're doing when really it's often triggering a memory from your past. And Mm -hmm. so your partner could potentially say things like that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. or cursing, right? Cursing can be a trigger. Walking out of the room can be a trigger. Um, Name calling, right? Anything that feels like an attack, Mm -hmm. but also our partner can say things that we interpret as something else. Meaning they might say, oh, I, I have plans tonight already with the friends, but you interpret that as I would rather be with them than spend time with you. And you get triggered by that. So triggers can be sneaky because it can, it can be direct, but it can also be indirect. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That really helps me to understand just even how I can still be triggered all these years later, because we're all emotional, complex people. Even if you're doing all your training as a pastor or as a coach or as a counselor, marriage work is ongoing and you have to keep talking this through but I also see how far we've come and I'm sure you can relate to this and all the many, 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 almost a million couples you've helped can relate to this, that, that you guys really try to say, let's make that as few triggers as possible. Right? Yes. And not because you're looking to not have emotion come up. I just want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. The part about the trigger you really want to look at first is the triggered behavior. So three parts to a trigger. You have the triggering event, which Jocelyn just shared Mm -hmm. can be something your partner says or does, or even Mm -hmm. doesn't do that they said they were going to do. Then you have the triggered emotion, Mm -hmm. anger, Mm -hmm. frustration, defensiveness, sadness, sadness, disappointment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then the main thing about triggers going towards the negative or doing more damage in a relationship is just that you now automatically act in such a way. And that's the trigger behavior. Now, what that might sound like is an immediate criticism of your partner, an immediate put down, immediate swearing, leaving the room, all of those when they're unconscious, that's where we're trying to bring more awareness. You can be triggered. I mean, you can have emotion. We want couples to be fully aware of their emotion, but then you are consciously choosing the action that you take so that that conversation becomes helpful and a beneficial. It brings you maybe more clarity, more understanding. Uh, you can get more to a place of peace, but you just don't want to be triggered in that you take any action that's going to do more harm to your partner. Mm, that's a really good clarification because the emotions themselves are important to work through, to walk through, to not run from but you want to do something healthy with them. And you guys are really offering even here. Thank you. And also I noticed in the book, just so many ways that couples can come away from this conversation. Like we said, conflict actually bring you closer, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that was something I really had to rewire just to briefly share. So my parents went from being madly in love to a really intense divorce. Mm. And I started to associate conflict equals bad conflict equals breakups. Mm. And not only that, but I started to repeat a lot of their patterns unconsciously. Oh, if you want to be heard by your partner, yell as loud as you need to. Oh, if you're feeling sad, cry and make them feel bad that they need to now come make you feel better. And so I was repeating a lot of their patterns and Aaron had his own version of that. Actually, didn't you have a meaning of like a fight being 
love somehow some that was also like another element because before they chose to get divorced it was like fight makeup fight makeup mm. so it was like oh okay this is how i can oh. also have them show me that they love me so a oh. lot of toxic beliefs i had about conflict <laughs> yeah, i'm and, hearing that with the madly in love that's what you meant that kind of mm-hmm. crashing into each other but yet later yes. just kind of burned up Well said. Absolutely. And, and so I had to learn when I was doing my self-development journey and then Aaron and I, when we continued it together, and then ultimately what we do with couples now is have them get, here's, what's really important. Avoiding conflict in Mm. the short term Mm -hmm. builds resentment in the Mm long-term. So the goal isn't to avoid conflict, whatever your types are, your Enneagram types, Mm -hmm. it's not to then avoid conflict because it will turn into resentment eventually if you're withholding needs or feelings instead it's learning healthy conflict skills so Aaron and I still have conflict in our relationship if we didn't I think we were like asleep and like mm-hmm. basically Probably robotic weren't pursuing anything that big right so we have conflict mm-hmm. but it's about rebounding faster because we're using healthy conflict skills well right and I think that when you bring Enneagram into the mix that we do have some couple types, fours, fives, nines, and sometimes they even pair up together. And then as you very accurately said, as a three, Jocelyn does have a lot of nine because she shifts to nine and six as a three. So one of her places to go to is I don't talk about conflicts. We shove that under the rug. And when you have a four or five and nine, sometimes I talk to people, um, for instance, I have a friend in a five, nine marriage, and I've seen clients like this and it's, pretty easy in some ways because of that. Um, and that's the way they're made. They don't fight very much when they do have a conflict as you're both agreeing, they have to work it out because otherwise that's very unhealthy. But sometimes you have somebody in your case, uh, the two is in the compliant group. And like we already have been saying, the three is in the aggressive assertive group. So if you realize that that person has specific gifts that are more verbal, more outgoing, more charged up, and you stifle them constantly, then they're also not living to their potential. So we can't treat your marriage. In other words, like the five, nine marriage, you can spend a little bit more time withdrawing. And that's very good for both their temperaments in this group. Neither of you is technically a withdrawler. So it's very important. I think even more for our listeners to say, Hey, I don't want to feel guilty if we're both fives and this is just our chill way, but we even have to address conflict. This book is even good for us. And then also for the ones like us who really need it more actively every day, or maybe every week, every month to say, Oh, I finally have some tools. Cause I have a lot in me that needs to be worked through. Yeah. And I, I love what you said too. And it even made me think about how everyone listening, who's obviously really passionate about Enneagram, mm-hmm. I think will also really like the four communication personality types that we go into the book, because what I've learned in my experience with Enneagram is right. Like your, your goal is to be in your best version, your best self. And yet we can sometimes be unconsciously keeping ourselves from that best self being in alignment completely with our, our type and our gifts. Mm-hmm. And And with communication, so much of it is learned. So Mm -hmm. you might have watched your dad or your mom communicate in a certain way. And so that became your type, or perhaps your family dynamic forced you into a certain way of being around communication. Mm -hmm. And that might be keeping you from being in your most aligned Enneagram type. And so I think it'll be a really cool pairing for people to read about their type, their communication personality type so that they can even more step into their best Enneagram type. 
I totally agree. It will give them options for shifting into who they need to be in conflict because Enneagram says, here's your personal work, but really relationship work is so important for this group of listeners because everyone listening cares so deeply about having healthy relationships, not just with themselves. That personal development is such a big part of it, but I'm so excited for you guys to jump into teaching us more about these four, because I think that has a lot of merit for everybody to be tuning into is what is our style and where are we at? And we haven't really covered it that much on here. We've talked about attachment. We've talked about the different ways we can attach, but we haven't really gotten into this at all. So that's why I'm so excited for you to do that in a couple minutes with us. Before we head right into that, um, I want to check in with you real quick to find out, is there anything that you feel like your gifts together that has helped you to really be able to just come together and write this book and do this amazing, huge work together? Like, what is it about this dynamic pairing, this love out loud that gives you that power to do all this work together? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, even reading your guide, it had me see, wow, like we are so much more unstoppable when we are in our best Enneagram alignment. And like one thing in particular is if I let Aaron kind of shine in his contribution and I don't dominate with my achieverness, Mm -hmm. like even better ideas, opportunities come to us. And it didn't used to be that way. Again, it used to be because I'm the assertive one I lead. And so really when we're most on mission together and Aaron leads, I mean, amazing things happen because he is such a helper. He connects with incredible people Mm -hmm. and like his connection, Mm -hmm. his ability to have deep connections with people attracts things that my achieverness wouldn't on its own. My goodness, that is a huge piece. And I never thought about it quite like that. And I know where you're referring to in the glow guide, where we talk about making sure that our two is well-fed, making sure that our two is really in a three, two, that the three doesn't have all the glory. Um, because both of you need that you need to be doted on. And that's why it's a double heart type, but it's also that you have doubly the sadness and shame to work with. So for me to hear that you are pouring into him and watching him pour into the world, at this greater measure, I'm like, this is a powerhouse duo. And I have to be honest, every two, three couple that I've worked with has been in the public eye because you guys can do so much when you're well aligned together. So I'm really happy to hear that. Anything else you feel like for your specifics, that's really helped you to, to just have such an outreach together. Yeah. Aaron, I think if you would speak to what we've really observed during quarantine, when you haven't been able to feel as though you're contributing mm-hmm. that has impacted things. Yeah, I mean, just from a overall Enneagram type perspective, I have mm-hmm. to feel that contribution and I have to feel connection with other people. And so by nature of a lockdown, I was not feeling that mm-hmm. to the levels that I normally would being out with people leading, you know, in-person workshops, talking with other couples. So my contribution, or I guess from the type would be like my help, my help tank, (laughs) Mm -hmm. my help tank was low. And Mm -hmm. so then that shows up in the relationship, I guess, similar to the love tank we talk about in the book, Mm -hmm. but my contribution tank is low. So I'm, I need to get it. So unconsciously, I'm going to be looking to get that contribution within the relationship again, because it's not happening necessarily out in the world. Um, even half as much. So that means when we're writing a book, 
if I'm already low on the contribution tank and I try to add a new idea or a way that this chapter should be phrased or a new concept we should put in mm-hmm. and Jocelyn as an achiever type moving fast says, no, nah, probably not that. I immediately feel like that's a significant slap in the face mm-hmm. because my contribution tank is already low. I'm looking for these places to contribute. And if my partner isn't providing the space and it's not like it's you're intending to not let me contribute, but the speed of the achiever can easily make it seem like I'm not able to help it contribute. And then during the pandemic, it was really magnified. That really helps to clarify for the two listeners out there um, that they're not alone in their pandemic struggles. And we've had several twos on here and through the Instagram account share how much the pandemic has affected them specifically in that way. So it was really cool that you're saying you got that out to Jocelyn and I would imagine we can step in soon to talking about these four communication tips, because I feel like that is exactly where most couples miss. Maybe you guys can tell me, and we can even walk through this a little bit or other examples you might have as to how a couple can do this. The, yeah, they're the four communication personality types. Okay. So Aaron falls into the reserved, inflexible type, mm-hmm. and I fall into the assertive, inflexible. So mm-hmm. there's two like ways we measure these types. There's assertiveness to reserved scale, and then flexible to inflexible. And this is of course, something that we can fall into multiple types, but we usually all have one default. Like when we're not conscious, when we're not intentional, what we fall into. So in our relationship, and even speaking to what Aaron just said about him not filling his contribution tank, because he has the reserved default type, he can tend to not speak up about those things mm-hmm. until it's already a big frustration. And then it comes out as a bigger frustration. And so what we work like on his side, what he tries to do is share it earlier. Or like, for example, we have implemented family walks together because it's an opportunity for me to ask him open-ended questions about how are you doing? You know, I think a lot of people can tend to assume that reserved communicators, because they're not speaking up about it, it's not on their mind. When Mm -hmm. no, it's just that they're not usually speaking up until much later. So I ask him like open-ended questions and how are you? And then on the other side, because I have that assertive dynamic, I have to be aware of when I'm dominating a conversation or when I'm, you know, if we're bringing up a certain topic that we're trying to work through or come up with a solution, I can tend to jump in and, and kind of give all of my perspective. And then Aaron's like, Uh, I feel so overwhelmed with everything you just shared. I don't even want to say anything. Mm, And those are just a mm -hmm. a couple of explanations. And it's cool to find out to, you know, a couple, both their types, because there's no better combination than others. you know, if two assertive Mm -hmm. partners are together, that creates a certain dynamic. It's usually very fiery. If there's two reserved partners together, that's a whole other dynamic. Like all of the types and the combinations provide certain challenges, but also certain opportunities. And so I can't wait for you to walk us through all four. I want our listeners to go deeper with you guys too, but let, yeah, perfect. 
Okay. So I'll just briefly describe the two assertive types and then Aaron can do the reserved. So the assertive and flexible partner, you know, Mm -hmm. can tend to be very expressive and also processes emotion out loud through talking. Right. And because they have that inflexibility piece, Mm -hmm. that type of person, which again is my default type can also be pretty attached to their perspective. And so they not only can tend to really dominate a conversation, be very expressive, but they can also be like, no, my perspective makes the most sense, mm-hmm. right? And be pretty attached to their perspective. Now that doesn't mean that they can later on kind of be like, okay, I see your point. But again, this is just what people default to. And also the assertive and flexible person can tend to want to work things out right then, you know, like, no, we cannot come back to this later. We need to talk about it right now and work through this. Now, on the other hand, the assertive flexible partner still has that trait of being expressive and processing emotion and thoughts out loud through talking, Mm -hmm. but because they have that flexibility piece, here's the thing. If they're overly flexible, which means that they almost almost like undermine their own needs. Mm -hmm. You know, they kind of are like, Oh, whatever you want, go with the flow. Mm -hmm. They can eventually get to the point where they feel as though they don't have as much of a say in the relationship. And it can be Mm -hmm. where they later on come out with some resentment Uh, that they haven't been expressing because they've been showing up as, you know, very flexible and whatever you want. But of course, if they're in a healthy flexibility space, that's great because then they're more just open to perspective. They still share their perspective, but it's like, okay, cool. I want to hear yours. You want to hear mine. Now let's come together. So that of course would be the most balanced Mm -hmm. version of flexibility. Mm -hmm. So those are the just, uh, again, we have extensive information about both of <laughs> the brief before we remove, move to reserved. Is there anything you want to ask about those two? I think you did a great job of explaining them. That really helps us to see that there's great things about each. And we just did an episode where we talked about how we need all the different parts and pieces of the best of each. So I love that you're reminding us there are good things about both of these two assertive stances. So that's great. Yeah. Tell us about the withdrawing. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I'm using Enneagram language reserve. (laughs) Well, you'll hear some similarities because you're going to have the flexibility and inflexibility piece, but we're going to move to a reserved partner. Mm -hmm. So reserved and inflexible, which is what I default to Mm -hmm. the reserved is going to you know, not speak up as much primarily because they're processing things on their own. And it might be silently. They just like to think over their thoughts. It might be that they haven't quite gotten the language on what they're feeling, but they feel more comfortable just kind of reflecting for themselves. They process that emotion silently, and they're not necessarily going to be as assertive in sharing their needs and desires in their relationship. And as certainly when things are changing. So then the inflexibility piece mm-hmm. is that they're also pretty certain that their view, their behaviors, their actions are the right way. So when you put those two things together, mm-hmm. you have someone that's not asserting, not speaking up as much, but are pretty rigid to that the way that they think and act is the right way. So mm-hmm. it's important for reserved and flexible to number one, You don't have to feel that you have to match, let's say, an assertive partner's timing and speed to have a a conversation, but you do need to start to say something like, 
hey, I'm triggered. I'm feeling something. I don't really know what it is yet. And I'd, I'd like to request some time to process that. But let's come back to that at X time. So that's a good move for reserved and flexible. So then moving to the reserve, reserve flexible now, similar <laughs> style in the processing silently or on their own. So you're not going to want to pressure the timing of this person to speak, but then the flexibility pieces, you know, they have lots of different ideas. They're not as tied to one view, but when you put these two ones together, they're not going to be as open to sharing when their thoughts and ideas are changing about things. Mm -hmm. So it can become almost like a, a bomb or something that's very shocking later on. And we had an example of a couple that we were working with. The husband had been gone for like three days and the wife didn't know where he was. And when he came back, he said, I haven't been happy for 10 years. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's this huge bomb and shock. Well, yeah. It's only because he was a reserved and flexible. Pro probably flexible. Kind of like go type. with the flow. It's all good. Go yes. with the flow. You oh start to gosh, feel yes. like in your mind, I don't get to be the person that I think I should be, or I've lost myself in this, but you're only doing this on your own and not speaking it up. So you're building projections. You're also withdrawing. And then when it finally gets to the place where you just can't do it anymore, you mm -hmm. just unleash. Yeah. So in this case, you know, being a little bit more proactive and sharing what you're feeling, but just also know that as a flexible partner, you're meant to be kind of more like a, a manifesto. Like you have ideas and you're going to have mm -hmm. lots of them, but mm -hmm. when you're not sharing, your partner has no idea what's going on. Right. And that is so critical. And that really resonates with most Enneagram nines for our nine listeners. I know they're probably thinking that's me because I get to be that grizzly bear when you finally wake me up. Whereas I just had a nine say on the last session where that mama, mama bear after her cubs, you know, we finally, it takes us a while we, to come out of hibernation, but we do get aroused. And as you guys actually just said that these people sometimes up and leave when they're feeling like I'm, I've been flexible. I've been trying to hang in for your perspective, but I don't feel a lot coming back to me and they can think on that for a while. And then if somebody doesn't change for a while on their end and they're not willing to change and invest more, it can get really, yeah, it, they can leave. So it's really good that you're helping them to see, even though you fully understand why everybody is in these four different groups, sounds like you're saying staying in one of them just the way it is, isn't the goal. Right. It's all about awareness of your default type, right? Because you can mm -hmm. either be unconsciously reacting in life. And a lot of people are unconsciously communicating and mm -hmm. they're not actually choosing the way they're showing up. Or if you're aware of your default communication personality type and you just know, okay, this is what I default to when I'm unconscious, you can actually start to choose. Okay. Yes. I'm a reserve partner. Could I be a little bit more assertive here? okay, I tend to be inflexible. How could I choose to be more flexible here? So mm -hmm. it's all about with Enneagram, with any self-development tool, it's all about number one, having the awareness. And then with the awareness, you can make new choices. Mm. Yep. Totally. And I really love your tool because it gets so deep into conflict. It isn't just a few words here and there. It's this is what you do. This is practical. And I really like that you guys work together on it. And that is such a gift to us. So, and it, it breaks up some of the stereotypes, like we said already, that conflict is bad. And if you're fighting, that's terrible. 
And it, it breaks up. Even the one I love that you guys say in the book is happy wife, happy life. This would be for those latter two types that you talked about. Like that's not healthy, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. That's a very reserved, uh, flexible type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't hold. It does. It just doesn't hold. So mm-hmm. I hope our listeners can hear that if you're in that marriage where you are thinking, I'll just wait. I'll just see what happens. I won't say anything because they should know. Well, a lot of times people's attachment styles are such that they really won't just know. So for you guys to do a program like this or to really invest in learning the best of yourselves, you will both wake up and find that there's things for both of you to work on. No one has arrived. We're all in process and growing. And that's why I love how Aaron and Jocelyn are telling us you guys still use these tools, right? Oh, absolutely. Every day it's a practice. And there, there, like you said, there is no arrival. It's always practice. And that's why even in our book, the argument hangover, we give people tools to debrief because it's like, okay, cool. You learn new communication tools. You learn new conflict tools, but it's not just about learning it once and practicing it once it's debriefing. How do we do? Did we use these tools? How could we have been better? What was I triggered by? What Mm -hmm. meaning did I give it? What was my automatic pattern? What action could I choose differently? (laughs) It's always about reviewing and then seeing what you can do differently. Well, and you guys bring a certain connection piece of hope to couples. I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm sure you are, but two, three couples tend to really do well spending a lot of time together. And that's something that can be hopeful for the rest of us that there's reasons why, because you're both so invested in caring for each other's hearts that when we create this kind of safety together, there's even more of a desire in relationship to spend more time together. So when I hear about your ministry being, or your, your outreach being something that you do together. I'm not surprised. Cause I realize it's probably quite pleasant to be together. Most of your days. Yeah. We mm. definitely enjoy being in business yeah, together cool and that, yeah. definitely probably can be together more than most couples. We have our moments where we're like, Oh, I just need to go out and do a little bit of alone time, but for sure we enjoy being with each other and being in business together. Mm, that's so cool. And I love how you got to use your tools even during pandemic to say, okay, like, let's make sure that Aaron gets enough relational time and gets to feel like part of the team. I'm super happy to hear that you used your book to really build your marriage. Oh, of course, always. <laughs> We're always doing the work. <sighs> That is so cool. So tell our listeners where they can find out more about your book and all of your many tools. Thank you so much for asking. So the book we've been referring to is our most recent one. We were really grateful that towards the beginning of quarantine, we got a book deal. So it's actually on Barnes and Noble shelves. Uh, Some, you know, some stores don't have it in stock in some smaller towns and things like that, but for sure online, you know, all the retailers, Amazon and the argument hangover, it's a guide for couples to communicate better and fight smarter. And we love to give very practical tools that people can implement, not just big concepts that you can't apply And what's really cool is that when we're on podcasts, we actually share that we have $200 worth of bonus resources, a communication and conflict course, a Mm -hmm. workbook to debrief uh, from a conflict and a training on like listening and triggers. And that can all be claimed at theargumenthangover.com. All you have to do is enter your receipt number and you get that $200 worth of bonuses right away. So again, that is theargumenthangover.com. That is amazing. And I love that these courses are online. They're on-demand courses, it sounds like. 
Yeah. They get access right away. If you're in that season where you're like, Ooh, I took the quiz and, and tell them a little bit about that too. Cause that was fun to take your quiz. Yeah. So we have a quiz that people can take to find out their partner's communication personality type. And of course they can take it to also find out their own type. And that is at mycouplesquiz.com. And so you just go through a short series of questions and then you get your partner's type in a workbook to go with it. And we address the types also in the book in depth too. So I think pairing those two together, the quiz, and then the book, you'll be really set up for success. Oh my gosh, I do too. And you guys are just such a blessing to our listeners because you're giving them hope. And you know, the number one thing people want help with is conflict and communication. So we need you right now. I'm sure this pandemic has made your job so much busier. (laughs) Definitely couples have been open to growth and working with us for sure. And we, we love, we do private coaching as well. And couples have really realized, okay, we can't just be distracted. We really need to dive into these things. That's neat. And I think that's a two, three thing in terms of you guys working together. Once again, I get back to that, that you guys are a husband and wife team. And sometimes people want that. And that's important for our listeners here too, that you guys are available if they need both perspectives. Has that been something some of your people have told you? Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, men, they love hearing from another male because in the relationship space, there are a lot of female leaders, which is incredible and still equally as powerful. Mm -hmm. But I think men really love hearing another male perspective. And they also love that they get to hear two perspectives at once. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we ask different questions. Like I might ask the male a question that he's like, wow, I wouldn't have thought of that question and vice versa. So I think the dynamic of a couple working with a couple makes it more effective, even faster. Yeah. I think that's really cool because there's a lot of disarming instead of it's two against one, whatever that setting is. Otherwise you do, you know, there's, there's great things about each style. And I understand that everyone's unique, but I think that's a unique asset for your pairing. And because some people really want that. So I hope everyone will let you minister to them if they have that need, because right now, like I said, phones are ringing off the hook and people need all the help they can get. So amazing couple for you guys to see, they are just on it. So it's give the website one more time. If you don't mind, just for those who are thinking about for coaching, if it's the same website or a different one. Oh, so different. So the book one was the argument hangover.com. If they want to reach out about doing an introductory session, mm-hmm. that is at meetthefreemans.com. They would just scroll all the way to the bottom and we do a discounted introductory session. So again, meetthefreemans.com. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You guys, thank you for having us. This has been great. And we really can't wait to hear how your audience enjoys it. So you guys heard them. Jocelyn and Aaron are awesome, and I'm happy that they get to go back out to Arizona. They're home. They love it. And I hope that you, if you found a connection with them and you want to work with these wonderful heart people, that you get a chance to try out one of their relationship breakthrough sessions. So make sure you visit them at meetthefreemans.com if so. And if you want to learn more about Enneagram and Marriage, don't forget to check out our course at enneagramandmarriage.com. I hope you guys have such a good week. I hope we all power through a big, beautiful week and that we can love our people very well together. Okay, talk to you later. Bye.